This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Craig Hoffman with you on Overtime on the Fan. Uh, good news, Logan Paulson's going to join us at 7.15, get his take on Wentz. And, and really, I know he's studied all these quarterbacks, so... Uh, what does he think after watching some of the tape of Wentz from last year? I'm sure that's part of how he spent his afternoon. Um, sheesh. I can't believe this is happening. Uh, let's go to the MGM National Harbor listener line real quick. Sneak in a call before we're scheduled to be joined here in a moment by Lindsay Zarniak. Uh, so let's go to Anthony in St. Mary's. Anthony, thanks for calling. You are on the fan. Thanks for taking my call, man. So, listen, I'm looking at this in a half-glass-full type of way. I'm okay with it. Washington is not a destination quarterbacks you're going to want to go to. If free agents going to want to have to sign here, we're going to have to mortgage our future to get a decent quarterback to come here. So I'm, I'm okay with, you know, cutting underperforming players to make up some of that salary cap to go after some additional free agents. Landon Collins didn't pan out. Yeah, he was transferred to linebacker, and he had a better performance, but he was then he got injured. Brandon Sheriff, we all know he, does, he didn't want to be here. He's going to go somewhere probably like Minnesota, closer to home. I, I think this is the best move to get a quality starting caliber. He's a, he's a game manager, and I think it's the best move that he's the team not. could do to find somebody. He's no? not a game manager. Absolutely he was, he was not. A, he was an MVP candidate in 2017 before he got hurt. Right. That doesn't make him a game manager. He he rarely turns the ball over. Interceptions. 27 touchdowns last year, seven interceptions. You know when ever, oh, I think six of the seven interceptions came? Yeah, yeah. But I, no, no, no. When, when did they come? That was a question. Oh, when did his interceptions yeah. come? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think there were like six interceptions in one game. There was a bunch of them in a, in a, a single game. I don't think it was six. I think six of the seven uh, came after halftime. So that game in- manager thing, yee, he managed a 4.2, I think, QBR in a must-win game against Jacksonville to end the season. He also has a winning record over his career. Cool. Thanks, thanks for the call. Um like, yeah, he's he's fine. You mortgaged a lot for fine. That's the point. Like, I, I am anticipating the same exact people who are calling now, excited about the trade, calling me in week four, going, 
ah, he's not that good, this, that. They still don't have an answer at quarterback for the future. They, but, but. they just gave up a lot to, for what? For maybe a year, maybe a couple years of middle of the road instead of taking a shot at a younger quarterback. And again, I just can't, I don't have a better way to say this other than like, this is not going to be a guy who is beloved in the locker room and is inspirational and is, uh, to use a somewhat misogynistic, I think in, in probably some of the ways it gets used, but like certainly patriarchal term, but it is what it is. Like he's not a leader of men. In the classic football sense, put on your best NFL films, boys. Put on your best NFL films music. Carson Wentz, leader of men, march the Washington commanders out of the tunnel. It's, it's not who that dude is. It might start off great. There might be a honeymoon period. Maybe they there's something with the way Scott Turner calls plays that they really like. But like, at the end of the day, like this is a guy who, yeah, he's slightly over 500 for his career. A lot of that came with a really good Philly team that ultimately went up, wound up winning the Super Bowl without him. Foles was awesome for that team. And, and I'm not saying that Wentz wouldn't have won it. And he probably would have won MVP that year. That was a long time and a knee injury ago. It was 2017. Think about, like, that's five years ago. It's a long time ago at this point. Let's go to the BetQL guest line now and welcome in from Fox Sports. Uh, she covered the Colts for a number of games last year. Of course, everyone locally knows her as well from her time at NBC4. It is the lovely and talented Lindsay Zarniak. Lindsay, thanks so much for, uh, for some time tonight. Hey, it's great to talk to you. It's um, great to be so, on. I appreciate it. One of the things that I've been trying to get across to the audience is kind of the perception of Wentz. And this was both in Philly and in Indianapolis. It's been written about extensively over the last couple of hours, especially from the Indy side. It just was not a guy that seemed to jive with coaches, other players, etc. But you had a chance to talk to him and talk to other players when you, you have the access you do doing the national games with Fox. What was your impression of Carson Wentz as kind of a, a locker room character, if you will, before we even talk about you know, going into what he is as a player? Well, there was no one, you know, no, no one I have spoken to that has ever given examples of, you know, to back that up. Um, I think those kinds of things are easy to snowball for sure, you know, and I'm not saying that that's not the case. I think that there is something to, you know, the frustration I'm sure that that was felt after the injury that he suffered, right, after what he had done that season. And I do think it's really important that um, it was mentioned, the fact that that could have been an MVP season for him, right? Mm -hmm, um, for sure. So not making excuses, but I think that – so I have not heard those things from players. I have not, from coaches, heard it that specific. Um, I do – when I first heard this, I was like, wait, what? Like, what did they do? They did what? Um but then after a few hours of thinking about this, I'm like thinking about the options that are out there and thinking about, okay, well, wait a minute. When you look at the pieces here, like when you look at the fact that even if 
you know, even if that stuff is true, right? You look at the fact that here's a guy who it's, you know, it's been talked about that there has been, uh, there's a chip on his shoulder. I love that. Like, I love that. And I think that that's an intangible that is really important. But also the fact that I go back to Ron Rivera and to the coaching staff that the commanders now has. And I think, I truly believe that this is not a move that would have been made if there was not a strong belief internally that there was at least something worth, in, you know, investigating, worth looking into. So I, I don't know. In the past couple of hours, I have sort of changed the way that I initially thought about it and thought, well, okay, also the fact that he's playing that former team twice a year, um, the fact that he'll play the Colts again this year. You know, there's – I always think about, like, the psychology of it too, and I know that's boring and it might seem Pollyanna, but it's not because when you get to the, you know, to the why of these guys and the fact that you want to be in the trenches and you want to be playing ultimately for the guy next to you, and that's what all these players behind closed doors talk about in these meetings when it gets deep in the season, he's – um he's proven that he is at least close to the upper echelon. You know, your point about five years is also worrisome. <laughs> right. Right. So I don't right. know. I don't know, but and, I'm just I'm trying the, to look at the positive. Yeah, totally. And, and like, I totally get that too. Right. Like, cause I mean, I don't want to cover a team that's, you know, kind of the same, like honestly the same one that I've been covering since I moved here in 2015 <laughs> and started covering them as a beat reporter where it's just like, cruising in the middle of mediocrity so comfortably year after year and, and so i totally get the optimism and the desire for it to work out um and, and i also think to, to your point too like in the middle of the season it, it, I w- it would really like something would have had to have been really wrong for someone to be like hey Lindsay. so let me tell you about this wentz guy he sucks like we're in the middle of a season right, exactly. and, and that's not going to happen um and, and of course it makes more sense that it would come out now um but i, I guess Two, you know, what do you make of the fact that Reich, who is very well thought of, very well respected, I'd be curious your your impressions of him too as, as a coach and, and covering him, has now given up on him after just a year considering their previous relationship in Philadelphia? Yeah, that's concerning. It's concerning. And I think that um, I remember... I remember being in the, um, you know, but like, I'm just being honest. Like, that's what it is. Yeah. That's, it's, it's totally natural to think about that. I remember being in that um, press, the press conference, the Wednesday before the Super Bowl, whatever, when they, that year that they won. And I was, it was like really my first time in front of Reich and in front of like that whole group at that time, that Eagles group. And I remember just walking out of that room. Um, and this was like right after I had walked out of, the Patriots. Right. And I was like, Whoa, there is something different going on with this Eagles group. It just felt different. It felt like they were more um, openly talking about this gelling that they had and whatever. And I remember walking away being really impressed by Reich. And so that is, has stuck in the back of my mind. And I think even after they win the Super Bowl and then Carson's gone, that has stuck with me. Like, okay, well why that, that was curious. Obviously it's curious. Um, I think that the way that we have to hope now is that this is a scenario where if that all is true and if it is potentially as bad as it was to make that, you know, split happen, then at least there's got to be a really big, you know, I've got to prove people wrong factor. Right. And I, so that's sort of, I guess, as we're talking about this, what I'm hanging my hat on, but also what I've seen him do in the past 
Obviously, he didn't have the season he wanted with the Colts. I also don't think he had all the weapons around him that, you know, that I hope he will have in Washington. So that's the other thing. But um, I hope the character stuff is not accurate. You know, that's what that's sort of what I'm hoping. I'm hoping or I'm hoping that that's a little bit of your, um, you know, your newer in the league and you're learning your thing. So here's the other thing, like with Taylor, that's also perplexing to me a little bit. Like what, um, I don't think they're the same player, by the way. So I do, I'm okay with that. But I think what is that dynamic going to be like? What's going to happen in that scenario now? You know? Yeah, totally. And that, and that was something that was mentioned. I, was, I, I mentioned earlier an article that I had read that, that was very good by Zach Kiefer, uh, who writes for The Athletic and covers the Colts. And he said part of the, the problem in Indy, and this was a problem i heard one of the philly writers talking about this with grant danny earlier this happened in philadelphia as well that the locker room really loved Foles and loved jalen hurts and in indy they like loved philip rivers the year before obviously and and jacoby Brissett and obviously andrew luck kind of some of those guys that have been there longer in indy and wentz just did it wasn't that he's like a bad dude but he just didn't have a hold of the locker room in the same way that those other guys did. And it's actually something I mentioned. I think that's, that's, I mean, if you're agreeing with me, it seems pretty self-serving to say that's an astute point, but like that you, you, you touched on something that I had said earlier that Heineke for all of his lack of arm strength and other things that were problematic, he had that, he had that it factor. So I'm also very, very curious on that front. And I don't know if that's a point you want to expand on of how important that it factor can be. And I guess we'll obviously see if that's something that Wentz can develop here with the right chemistry of this particular group. Yeah, I think, I think that's huge. And I think if you don't like, to me, there are different levels of it factor, you know, there's it Mm -hmm. factor that guys just have. And the, the people that I think have that are the obvious ones, right? It's like Tom Brady and Matthew Stafford, but you see it and you know it when they're there because it's just this like innate, um, ability to be the leader and to communicate with the guys. Like, I really think that's what it's about a lot is it's Joe Burrow. We were in the locker room game week two last year. That was the game I had. And I was like, whoa, this guy is, I hadn't been around him like that before. Like when we have the meetings, the, the pregame meetings with Fox and it's the stuff that, you know, half of it, more than half of it never makes air. Right. But course, the way yeah. he was talking, it's like, this guy, I felt like he had been in the league for 14 years. He was talking in a way that almost felt like he didn't deserve to be talking like that. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, wow, this guy is so confident. It's cocky, but also, like, so far he's backed it up. And then he went on to just continue to back it up, obviously, right? But I think that with that it factor, if you don't have that, then there are there are guys out there who have a ton of success like, I don't know, maybe Garoppolo's that way. Like, when I think about mm-hmm. quarterbacks and the way they are, Russell Wilson has the it factor, you know? Like, guys, and I'm just thinking about, like, guys I've been around. I think some people, some quarterbacks, at least know how to do the job and what, what it takes. And the, what I've heard from the ones that have gone on to have success the most is, like, they really seem to have a way to, and again, this sounds like so maybe fluffy, but it's important, is the part where they bond and find a way to, like, get along and really understand the teammates and that aspect of it. And so to me, everything we've heard about Carson that has been in that sort of negative box is sort of saying that same thing, like that maybe that's what it sounds like based on what players have said, is that that's not necessarily what they have seen from him. So I don't know. Like, I think 
is there a way that, you know, when you have a head coach who has the experience that he's had and the other veterans around him who have, that that's something that is more focused on, that that's something that Carson realizes that either needs to be changed or at least, you know, be a certain way. I think that's possible. Um, but I also just, they, why did they spend so much money? Like, that's, you know what I mean? Like, why yeah. did they spend the amount of money they're spending? Um, because this, if it doesn't work, this is like, you've got to be kidding me, you know? So right. that's also the part that I'm kind of like, okay, well, there must be someone inside who knows something. Um, totally. You know? Totally. And, and that's my thing is like, why did you spend this much? Which actually leads to the last question that I, I want to ask you in a second. But, you know, to your point or to that point, the, the good news, quote unquote, is that if it doesn't work, it's one year and they can cut him for, you know, no cap space uh, or no dead cap money. But it's still 28 million for this year. And there's going to be some corresponding moves that have to happen. So the last question I want to ask you, though, on that related front, and I think you're a great person to ask this question to because you you travel oh. around with Fox for and have <laughs> the national perspective. But like we all, we I, I think everyone in the listening audience knows like you're a D.C. girl like you, you always like this his home you always are going to kind of ask around and be like so what do you think of washington because that's something that you're interested in and so when you you think like the most logical explanation for why do they pay so much is they felt like they couldn't sign him or someone equal or better in free agency they had to make this trade and have someone that was kind of locked into them which is not a great reflection of the franchise so as as ron has been here for a couple years and we've seen this now and you go around the league and you talk to people agents especially as they're trying to guide their players to different places and other team officials that kind of have a sense of it. What is the view of the Washington commanders as we enter the 2022 season? Well, I think it's, <laughs> no, my silence. And that's Lindsay's Zardiac. Thanks so much for calling. <laughs> no, stop. My silence is not, it's not. It's because, I mean, I think it is what everybody just, like, what does it look like? What it looks like is it is a, a team in transition. It really, I mean, that's what it is. So I think I'm glad that you brought this up because honestly, it's sort of like what I'm talking about with the chemistry factor. It's, I find it fascinating that you understand it seems like what works and what doesn't. And because you travel around and you see those teams, right? So like one of the things that I love most about that job is those meetings and is the fact that you get a sense of and a taste of, of everything that goes on in a team. And I'm, we, we have conversations about this a lot. It's not just like about talking to the players. It's about the facilities. It's about how they come to meetings. It's about if they're on time, if they're early, what their PR staff is like. Like all that stuff is indicative of how a franchise is run. And so you can almost, it's, sometimes it's funny when you leave a team and you're like, wow, that was so different than going to visit you know, the, I'm just using this as an example, like Cincinnati, because Cincinnati's really buttoned up and they're just like really, they're, mm-hmm. they're really solid, right? So, but you can look at that in every aspect. And I find that fascinating about the game because they, I'm, I often wonder, do teams realize that it's that different and it feels that different? Like teams that will go out and have chefs for their players. Um, there, that's, that's true. Some teams like don't do the same amount. Anyway, now I'm on a tangent. I think the perception is that it's, this is a franchise that it's really disappointing in the past few years. And I'm not talking about last season because I think that there was hope. Right. And so I think that it honestly, 
it is the perception is that they are trying to turn things around. And that is the one thing like I have talked to more than one person who has said that, well, at least like there, there is an obvious, um, you know, there's an obvious mission to turn it around and to, and both on the field and off the field. And that's true. Right. So yeah, I think that that's the main thing, but then it's also kind of like, we'll wait and see when the tide really turns on the field, you know? So that's, that's the big thing. And I think last year there was, look, that was freaking fun to watch, you know? So if there's another battle and if they've got someone in the wings who we know can do big things, that's kind of exciting too. So, you know, I don't know. It's been so many quarterbacks. I feel it's like you so called with right? so much optimism yeah. and I just like, I was the pin in your balloon and I'm sorry. I, that's, no, that's not really, very listen, nice. Like, <laughs> if you're not going to have optimism, like you can't, I mean, because as you said, like it's been so many years, you, you mentioned earlier that it's like you're, um, you know, each year where you're, you're mediocrity, but like, what about the years that it hasn't been? And then it's been more frustrating because it's for no reason it doesn't work or some crazy stuff happens. That's even more frustrating to me. You know what I mean? So totally. I would like to see a sound decision that, and I just, I wanted them to go out and get Aaron Rodgers, you know? Um, but that wasn't going to happen. And so like, and I don't even know that that was the fix. I don't know. It's, um, yeah. I think. I, and, and by the way, I got to give, I got to give Craig, uh, credit for asking Russell Wilson the other day about the East coast thing. Uh, and yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. couldn't be I too surprised. Proud. couldn't be too surprised, unfortunately, when he went to Denver, but they, yeah, that would have been having Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers. uh, Rogers, you know, he's got, who knows what would happen week to week with him, but you know, off the field shenanigans, but like generally speaking as a football person, that would have been pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it would have, but you know what? Like, honestly, and I'm not, I, again, I'm not trying to sound like naive Nelly here, but I do think that just the chip on the shoulder thing is a big deal, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that when that becomes something that a person also plays for it, the big question mark is going to be what you talked about. How does he, um, how does he take over that locker room, you know, right. and what is that going to look like? And how does he work with the pieces around him? Um, so yeah. on that well, note, I don't think people should be upset. I think they should actually be like, okay, let's give this a shot and see, because there are reasons that I think it could be really interesting. Yeah, there. I will say this is is uh, down on this trade is is I am and as I open the show with. There are no bonus points for pessimism, and that is a good reminder. Uh, Lindsay, <laughs> would love to do this again at some point. Uh, thanks so much for calling in, and uh, we will talk. We will talk soon. It was fun to just talk nonsense because I don't know that I made any strong points there, but it was really fun. So thank you. <laughs> thanks. Thanks and so much. <laughs> no doubt. Lindsay Zarniak with us from Fox Sports, of course, long time with NBC4, ESPN as well. Um, terrific journalist who's, who's done so much good work over the years, and, and we're proud to have her here in D.C., uh, you know, for her to call it home. All right, when we get back, Ryan, I don't even know what where we're at on the clock. I, are we going to have time for Logan yet next, or did I? we just go way too long with Lindsay? Uh, I mean, we could have like five, six minutes with them. <laughs> Okay, let's do five minutes with Logan uh, Paulson. That's how we're going to close out the show next on The Fan. All right, let's go quickly out to the MGM National Harbor. Or sorry, not the MGM National Harbor listener line. We're done with that for the night. We're going to the BetQL guest line. The other one. Uh, bet smarter. Beat the books. Download the BetQL app today. Visit BetQL.com. It's where I bring in my co-host for the pregame show during the season. It's Logan Paulson. Uh, Logan, I'm going to start with this. I'm going to put the contract aside for a second. 
Is Carson Wentz good? <laughs> That's a good question, man. I think it's very appropriate. Um, I think when you look at Carson Wentz, I think he has some traits that you like. He's got a big arm, a nice release, decent footwork. I think he sees the field okay. Obviously, there's some accuracy issues. But contract aside, I think you're getting a guy who's kind of in the same ballpark as Jimmy Garoppolo last season. Now, remember, Jimmy Garoppolo had a thumb and shoulder issue that inhibited his play a little bit. But that's the kind of player you're getting, a guy that I think you need to protect in terms of scheme and game plan, but can elevate some of the stuff you're doing, especially in Scott Turner's offense in terms of allowing you to throw the football down the field a little bit more because he does have such a dynamic arm. And then, like I said, coaching staff needs to take a really hard look about how, how best to maximize what he does and, uh, and protect him from himself, so to speak. Statistics I find interesting. Uh, I'm on his, his career page right now. In the first half of games, Carson Wentz has 102.1 rating. In the second half of games, he's got 89.7. In the last two minutes of the half, first and second combined, rating of just 77. Career, three touchdowns, two picks in the last two minutes of either half. Does that match up with the tape? Like, is it, what is it about him as the game goes on, or as as it gets into hurry up mode, like gotta go mode, gotta make plays mode, that that he struggled in those situations in his career, at least statistically? Yeah, so I think one of the things about him that uh, really sticks out to me is that I think he does okay with like kind of play action, like I said, deeper stuff, simpler reads. Um, you know, kind of an opportunity for him to extend the play. Those tend to be longer developing plays. If you look at him early in his career, he did a really nice job of extending plays and finding stuff in the same way that Russell Wilson would find stuff, right? Kind of later developing stuff. And that's usually not how you operate in a two-minute situation. Usually in a two-minute situation, everything needs to be on rhythm, on time, getting out with no hitch, understanding coverages. And that, unfortunately, is not where he excels. He excels kind of in these hero ball type moments. I mean, if you watch the New England game from last year a couple times, getting out of the pocket, and then just with the flick of the wrist, the ball is sailing down the field to a wide open wide receiver. That seems to me where he's at his best. Obviously, since the back injury, doesn't quite look like the same athlete. So coming by those moments of extending the play, getting out of the pocket are, are fewer and farther between. But he still has that element to his game, and I think that's one reason you see him struggling in these very specific situations, right, where he has to be on time because that's not really what he does extremely well. He's trying to kind of shift his game, mold his game into something more of a conventional quarterback because he's lost some of the mobility, but he's still got that fighting spirit in him, that athlete in him, and so I think that transition's been a little bit difficult for him. Uh, just to clean up, clean up on aisle me on the stats. Those those stats just from last year, but pretty telling that that just three interceptions, two touch or three touchdowns, two picks. Uh, and by the way, five of his seven interceptions came in the second half last year. Um, okay, if we put the the contract and the trade back into it, if I tell you you can have like Trubisky for fifteen million a year, or and you get to keep Landon Collins, you have 30, you know, I guess at that point, 20-ish million dollars in cap space, or you can have Wentz for 28, you have to cut Landon, you're definitely not re-signing Sheriff, and you now only have, you know, I guess after you cut Landon, you'll have like 12-ish million to play with, and you're down a couple of picks. Which situation would you rather have? Yeah, I think you know my answer to this question, because of all the show we've done, all the times we've talked about this, but I also point out that I don't think Mitch Trubisky or Marcus Mariota is the right guy to kind of comp in this situation. I think the guy that I would look at and the guy that I'm continuously looking towards is Jameis Winston. I think he's a guy that gives you about the same level of play, 
as a consequence, and he's in here for about 12, maybe 15, like you said. Get to keep those three draft picks, and that third-round pick this year, I know it's a third-round pick, and everyone says, oh, it doesn't matter. This year, you want those mid-round picks. This draft is extremely dense. So of the whole deal, the losing the third-round pick this year is probably the thing that I'm most kind of miffed about because, quite frankly, in that middle round, you could get a Daniel Falele. You could get uh, Matt Witowski from um, – from North Dakota, you can get, you know, Watkins from uh, Watson, excuse me, from North Dakota State, the receiver. There's game-changing players that will be there in the third round, and you just threw that away. So in terms of roster building and making this team better, that, that pick is a little bit frustrating to me. Um, but, you know, to be fair to, to Carson Wentz, I think that that number, if you're comparing him to Jimmy Garoppolo, seems fair. That's about what you would have traded for Jimmy Garoppolo to get him here. The thing that's frustrating is that I hear everyone saying, oh, it's a one-year deal. You can get out of it in one year. Um, and that kind of is confusing to me because if you're, if, if you're only going to do it for a year, then there's other guys who are better candidates for the one-year, one-and-done kind of thing. So uh, that's the confusing thing is the deal kind of convolutes this pretty tremendously because you're giving up draft capital. You're giving up pieces you could build towards the future. You mentioned the land and thing. You mentioned some of these extensions. And it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me when I think there's a very serviceable football player and Jameis Winston available. Obviously, he's coming off injury and say what you like about him, but his tape in New Orleans last year was very, very strong. And um, if you're comparing them side by side, I think you'd probably lean Jameis. So that's the thing that's confusing about this whole thing. Obviously, I think Carson's a fine football player, maybe not elite, like he once was, but he's he's elevating this roster. This team is better now because of this signing, but the deal does convolute the truth of this a little bit. I have 90 seconds left in the show, so sorry this is going to be a quick answer, but how much do players like Jameis Winston who have options consider you know, the franchise, the organization, the coaches versus just the money? Like How, how feasible was it that Washington could have been convinced Jameis Winston to come here? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. I I don't know. Only Jameis knows the answer to that. I can only speak to guys that I've played with. And guys sometimes will take a take less money because they know it's a better situation and it's going to kind of catapult them to more money. So money is always kind of in the background, but it's always about putting themselves in the best situation to be successful. Guys who just take money grabs oftentimes are they play one year of the deal and they're done because it's not the right fit for them. So negotiating the fit, I think, is extremely important. And, you know, with Sean Payton leaving New Orleans, I thought that maybe he'd be looking for other places to go. But um, obviously we'll never know because, um, you know, the Washington football has made Washington football team has made their decision. The commanders have made their decision to make Carson Wentz their guy moving forward. And I'm excited to see what happens, even though I think the decision um, has some negatives that uh, are kind of far reaching. Yeah, uh, I think that's uh... That's well put. Uh, I'm sorry that we didn't have more time. Thank you so much for calling in. Uh, I'm sure people will be hearing plenty of you over the next couple of days as you break this down on all the shows. I hope you are well, my friend, and I will talk to you soon. Thanks, man. Appreciate it, buddy. Logan Paulson on the BetQL guest line. Bet smarter, beat the books. Download the BetQL app today. Visit BetQL.com. I don't feel it really that differently than I did at the beginning of the show other than Lindsay's Arniak taught me and reminded me that pessimism, there are no bonus points for it. So we're going to see how this thing plays out. That's not a very good radio take. If I got on the air tonight and was like, hey, we'll see. I probably don't get to do that many more shows. I don't think it's a good trade. I don't think it's smart. I think the process stinks. And it's very indicative of a lot of other moves this franchise has made with a lot of other people in charge. And yet, here we are. But we'll see. Lindsay was great. Logan was great. Check him out on Rewind on the app. And enjoy... 
we got we got hockey here next. There's plenty of hoops over on the Team 980 as well. If you want the Wizards, uh, I think we got some college ball, and it's an exciting time of year for the play-by-play. So uh, we'll definitely be talking to you here on overtime in between. Uh, big ups to Ryan back in the studio for uh, or in the control room, I should say, for uh, running the show. Kind of a crazy one tonight. Good job, sir. Uh, my name's Craig Hoffman. If you want more from me on Twitter, at Craig Hoffman. And uh, that was Overtime on The Fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.